Life is good, but it can be better. <laughs> oh my God. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Spieling and Dealing. Look, if you guys listened to our last episode, you know that my buddy Patrick, he's taking some time off. He'll actually be back very soon. Don't worry about it. But in the meantime, we got some good stuff cooked up for you this week. We're going to talk March Madness basketball. We're going to talk NFL free agency. We're going to talk about the Snyder Cut, the big release of March on HBO Max. And we're going to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the new Marvel show on Disney+. Plus. But let me bring in my guest host for the week, my buddy, my cousin, Hi. Stephen Kaplan. Stevie, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm great. Today is a really, it, it actually is. I say this every day whenever anyone asks me this, that it's an incredible day, even if it's not. But today actually is a beautiful day outside, and I'm feeling good. It is a beautiful day here as well. You are further north than me, so... Indeed. It's nice to hear that it's nice weather everywhere on the East Coast this week. Well, Just I don't know about day. everywhere, but in two places at least. The two places that matter. <laughs> well, well, we'll argue that your place doesn't matter. But, <laughs> um, but let's like dive right into, you know, March. It's March Madness. Let's just start right there. Okay. Uh, we are recording on Sunday, so we're already through the first round technically first two rounds if you count those playing games but nobody counts those no so already through the first round a ton of upsets already some huge ones what was the uh the big upset for you i mean look oh it's other than ohio state that was the big one for everyone it busted like every a million brackets but what was another big upset that uh you were surprised by or you liked watching whatever I mean, uh, you had Ohio State was a big one. I loved watching. Uh, what was it yesterday? Abilene Christian. Yep. Beat Texas. That was. I love that. That was great, especially because like you know they're in. I, I assume Abilene Christian is in Texas. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. So it's like to take down the Longhorns. I mean, that was awesome. But it's like the the thing that I've noticed as these uh, as this tournament has gone on is just like the smaller schools. Like a lot of the a lot of the big schools. Like right now, I'm watching. Um, Illinois just get trashed by Loyola. Not trash, but they're losing. Yeah, not trash, but it's like when you watch them play, like a lot of these smaller schools, I think because they get like they're just much better coached. And I think part of it is like a lot of these high profile athletes like uh, they play AAU. AAU ball teaches them to basically like throw the ball to the best guy, dribble out the clock, make a shot for yourself. And a lot of these like big time programs, like you, you just don't see team basketball as much. And that's really stood out to me. This whole tournament is how much like you just see teams like chucking up shots, trying to be Steph Curry and uh, you ain't Steph Curry. <laughs> He's just, you know what I mean? I mean, basically teams are just playing like it's a lot of, it's a lot of, uh, it, like it's not team basketball. It's like very star focused. Teams chuck up shots. Like I told, I told my friend, there's a reason that for you know a hundred years from the invention of basketball, you were supposed to get the ball as close to the rim as you could. And now you know it's changed drastically in the last twenty years, which I get. But only like fifteen players on earth and all in the NBA can can play not that way. And other teams like you're seeing a lot of the the smaller teams that don't have as much high profile talent and they're taking it to the to the to the bigger programs yeah you know that's the the great thing about 
March Madness, the NCAA tournament. It's the best playoff format in all of, you know, it's not professional sports, but all of like major sports, whether professional or amateur, uh, college for that, just because the the playing field. If if you're a, a you know small school or whatever, you come out and just like hit your shots, you're you're probably gonna have a chance to win a game, and uh, or if the if the bigger school, the better team has a bad day, you can have a chance to win the game. So it's so great. Um, yeah, Abilene Christian. I had uh, Texas going to the Elite Eight because I watched them and they were a good team, but I was. Yeah thrilled to watch them win last night i despise university of texas sports so um <laughs> you know that that was like that was a good one for me uh, i picked ohio and i uh shout out my buddy cody who's an ohio mm-hmm. alum he's an ohio state fan so he's a little bit of a bandwagon guy there but he's an ohio alum and uh, he at least got one team to get a win i have also they beat um uva who i have a ton of friends who went to uva so mm-hmm. sorry guys but uva perennial stinker except the one year that they won which technically they're defending champs because they didn't play a tournament last year but yeah those were the two um for me i'm gonna shout out my guys at west virginia uh you know they played moorhead state who was kept it close for a long time but you know they ended up pulling away uh in the last 10 minutes or so and won by 17 and then our, our like best player miles mcbride put up 30 had a big game if he plays like that we're gonna be a deadly team but uh the first round, it was fun. You know, there was a lot of good games. Even like um, some good upsets. The good upsets, but even like well, like UCSB should have beat uh, Creighton. They they were a popular upset pick, and they missed like a bunny to w- basically win the game with one second left. Mm. Um, that was a little bit disappointing, when for for me because I picked them, but it was a you know entertaining game. I should have said. Uh, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of good stuff going on during the tournament in this first round. Um, yeah, I just like I love. I mean, the best thing about sports, right, is like it's unscripted. You literally know it's never know what's gonna happen. And I love in the tournament watching these kids who it's like some of these kids are just absolute like nobody knows who the hell they are, and they just get chances. Like that kid from Abilene Christian yesterday, they were down by one point, and he gets fouled with like two seconds to go to make two shots to win the game. It's like, and he was like a fifty percent free throw shooter or something. And, and, yeah, and he and, sinks. And he drills. Cash. He drills both to win the game with like awesome. one one second left, and then for some reason, uh, Texas didn't or they had to throw a. Uh, uh, it was UCSB. I want to say in their game, they got the ball with a chance to go down and tie, and they didn't call a timeout and like set up a, a half court play because they had to shoot it with like one second left or something. But it was a it was a weird decision there. But Texas had to throw up a heave um, and got intercepted on the pass. And I love it. I think I would say uh, NCAA basketball is the sport where I have the biggest difference between my interest in the regular season and my interest in the playoffs. Like I literally don't watch NCAA basketball like almost at all during the regular season. And then when March Madness comes around every year, I'm like, uh, do I even really give a shit? Like I didn't watch the regular season and then it starts and I'm like, ah, no, this is awesome. I forgot. Well, I forget every year and then I'm reminded. Yeah. And the thing about uh, college basketball is if you don't have a team, it's really hard to invest yourself in it. The, exactly. Like, But the tournament, Everyone can get in. First of all, the brackets thing, like everybody does brackets. Like whether you watch it or not, everyone fills out a, you know, whether it's an office pool bracket or whatever, everyone right. fills out a bracket because 
you know, <laughs> so many people don't know what they do. It's just one is fun to do just to fill it out and make all these picks. And, you know, you have so many times where somebody who's never watched a college basketball game will just like, you know, pick some you know, team school because they have a cool mascot or whatever. Right. And then they end up going far and they win their bracket pool and win money and everyone's pissed because like they actually tried, you know, but like, yeah, this it's uh brackets are fun. They engage a lot of like neutral or non fans. But yeah, it's it's just the best playoff format. It it, it gives, you know, if you want to be if you're the best team all year, you got to go out and prove it in the tournament. You can't have an off day, and uh, if you you know if you don't, you're probably going to win. But if you do, you know you can get upset and it'd be embarrassing. But um, yeah, and just these total unknowns that become like these you know have like hero moments. I mean, you don't get better than that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's like uh, give me your final four picks. What were the what were the final four you had? Uh, Is, I got are it. they all I still in? um i don't let me check let me check i think i might have had illinois in there um and they're in some trouble right now you son of a bitch (laughs) they're in west virginia side of the bracket i also i also have to i i must say again as i already said i don't watch the regular season so and i didn't do any research when i filled out this bracket so my final four is completely random and doesn't make any sense i have uh Kansas, Michigan, Texas Tech, and Houston. Very random. I do not have the two favorites, Gonzaga and Baylor. I didn't even know they were the favorites until after I filled out this bracket, and I don't give a fuck. That's, I'm sticking with this. This is the only bracket I filled out. It is Kansas and Michigan versus Texas Tech and Houston. And then I got, I got Michigan winning it all, baby, for God. no reason oh. in particular. You. I hate you. Coming strong from the bottom left. If Michigan wins it all, you can shoot me. Again, don't I here's a new push that I'm I'm trying to make. Don't use the zones. When you talk about the bracket, just say upper left, bottom left, <laughs> yeah. upper right, bottom right. Nobody knows what the fucking zones are and nobody cares and it doesn't matter. Michigan from the bottom left, that's my pick for the tournament, baby. The strong bottom left. Well, I uh I went pretty chalk. Um I got the three number ones, Gonzaga, Michigan, and Baylor in the final four, and then my boys at West Virginia. I have them winning it all over Gonzaga. Um, two of my elite eight teams, Ohio state and Texas are out. Uh, you know, ironically, I don't like either Ohio state or Texas as, um, just as a college, you know, sports fan, mm. but, um, they did bust my elite eight up, but I got all my final four teams so far. I didn't pick Illinois. So things are going, just going well for me right now. Yeah. Um, I guess I had Illinois losing early. So that shows how much I remember. I had them going to the elite eight, but, uh, so if they lose, it only costs me, well, it costs me two rounds. Well, no, yeah, it costs me two rounds. But, yeah, I'm in a uh, money pool with a, a friend of mine invited to, like, I guess it's a bunch of his college buddies maybe or something, a, a, money, a money pool. I'm in first right now, but um, there's a long way to go. Yeah. Anyway, so is there a game? Well, you got the Illinois game going on today. I'm looking forward to the West Virginia-Syracuse game. That's an old rivalry later today but is there one of the other games today that you are excited to watch are you just gonna you know casually enjoy the games today i just go i mean i just go really game by game like since i don't necessarily have uh like you said like i don't necessarily have a college basketball team so to me it's just like you go game by game and it's like hopefully you know you you, especially in these early games hopefully you know you flip around a couple different channels and one of the games are good um but I'm I'm just excited for the tournament to be here again. Every single year, I get reminded how much I like March Madness, and I forget in the intervening uh, months. 
But um, no, I'm just I'm excited for the tournament to be here. No games in particular, just moments. I'm here for the moments. Yeah, there's plenty more to come. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna we're gonna end this by me saying, uh, "Let's go Mountaineers." Hopefully, they beat beat down Syracuse today. Yeah, and climb that, that mountain, Mountaineers. Anyway, you climb it. We're we're always climbing the mountain. Um, let's let's move on to. NFL free agency, which started the beginning of this week. Actually, technically, it started on Wednesday, but they have the "quote unquote" legal tampering period, which is just a dumb, dumb term. I don't term. Even understand what that is. It's, it's basically like they can go out, uh, you know, teams can go out and like get sign a player, but they can't actually sign them. They can just like agree in principle to a deal. So it's dumb. It is. There's no real dis- like, but the the deal isn't actually signed until free agency started on Wednesday at like four o'clock or whatever time. What the hell sense does that make? It just doesn't. Like it doesn't. Extend it two days earlier. It, it it doesn't really make. Yeah, it just is like just started. The, why wouldn't you start it on Monday at the beginning of the week anyway? You know, like why are you starting it midweek? That's neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, tons of players. That, you know, this may be recency bias, but this has been a crazy week in terms of free agency. So many players changing teams. Um, I think it has, it has a lot, obviously has a lot to do with pandemic and a down year for the salary cap. Teams had to make a lot of hard cuts um, and couldn't re-sign players just because they couldn't afford it. But uh, give me give me a few of like your highlight players who were signed this week. Um, who are the big names that you you picked out of the hat? Well, I thought um, I, I was really surprised. Um... I guess not surprised, but I was very interested to see the Patriots kind of trying to run it back with uh, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith trying to, you know, get them some of that Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez magic, hopefully without, you know, all the murder and stuff. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> hopefully that, that gets left off the table. But and hopefully um, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry aren't murderers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big, big hope there. Um, as you, you know, probably hope with all of your NFL free agent signings that they haven't murdered. Um, but anyway, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, both uh, Hunter Henry, I think a bit potentially overrated. Johnny Smith, I think a bit underrated. But both of them, I think top 10 tight ends um, will really help. Maybe Cam Newton, who needs more safety valves, I think. Um, but just another example of Bill Belichick. The reason I, I, I mean, I'm a Jets fan, obviously Patriots are the bane of my existence, but you have to respect Bill Belichick totally like can revamp his offense and defense based on his players, which I really appreciate. And he sees Cam Newton needs some help. He's going to run it back with him. They're going to get these two, you know, top flight tight ends. I think that's really interesting. Also in the same division, I love that the bills added Emmanuel Sanders. I think that's yeah. just more, and, more and Trubisky is the backup. Which yeah, never forget. You know, whatever you say, Trubisky's he's not good, but he's also not that bad. Well, he's good for a backup. Yeah, he he's sure. more a backup than he is a star. He's he's bad when you consider that the Bears just traded up to get him at number two, and then in that yeah. same draft, Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, we won't touch on his issues right now, but Deshaun Watson and the just one playing. Well, Deshaun Watson and one Patrick Mahomes went. uh, Yeah, I remember that guy. (laughs) Went within, I believe, what would have been the Bears' original pick. Like they still could have gotten either of those guys. Oh, that hurts. So, and they traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky. But I will say, but I will say, all the reports that I've read 
Um, I mean, I guess take reports with a grain of salt, but all evidence indicates that Mitch Trubisky is not bad, uh, you know, for a lack of trying. Like the guy is a great, he apparently has a great work ethic. He's a great teammate. You know, he's not, he's not some kind of, you know, he's not a, a not bigger man. He's not like a Johnny Manziel who like doesn't work hard and isn't living up to his potential. Like I think he's actually maxing out his potential. He's just not, you know, a top flight quarterback, but I think he's a great backup and a great locker room guy, which is so important culture. So important when you're trying to build a team, which the bills clearly are. And I think they took another step. Yeah. And he fits, he's in the mold of Josh Allen, like a running style. He's not nearly as good. It's a great point, but he's, he's the same style quarterback as Josh Allen. So if, say Josh Allen gets hurt, you got a um a guy who can come in and basically run the same offense, you know, not just shittier. Yeah. But he you know, you don't have to you don't have to really change up like your your offensive play calling for a different style quarterback or anything. Yeah. Um but I wanna to touch back on the Patriots since you brought them up. They are the bane of your existence as a Jets fan. Yep. But um they went out and so I have some numbers here. They gave out in the first, so this is just when I wrote this down. These were just like in the first like day or two of when free agency started. They gave out a hundred and fifty million dollars in guaranteed money, which is like the sixth. Uh, they're the sixth team in NFL history to give out a hundred million plus in free agency. They spent a two hundred seventy million dollars total. So that's not guaranteed money. The extra uh, hundred and twenty million there, but it could be paid out over the course if all those contracts are lived up to. But that is like more than their last like five years combined of of free agency spending. So as you point out, they they don't typically spend on huge free agents, but they were not good this year. And I think they just saw that like one and they were way under the cap. And I think they just saw that they had a chance to like, you know, in a week AFC East with the Bills really is the only con- contender who are I shouldn't say weak, but they're good. But um, they they have a chance to like reclaim the title there. But look, they sign the two tight ends that you mentioned. Matthew Judon is a good uh, defensive end that they signed who was on the Ravens. Nelson Aguilar, who Eagles fans are, were glad to see go and stop dropping passes all the time. But uh, he actually had a good year last year. He was probably the Raiders' best receiver. And uh, another another former Eagles guy, Jalen Mills, who also Eagles fans were probably he's, – he's, like he thinks he's the best safety in the league or the best cornerback in the league, and he's he's not even like in the top half probably, but he's serviceable. And Bill Belichick tends to get the best out of uh, defensive players, so he sure does, yeah. And and I I think that the the two tight ends, as you mentioned, going back to a two tight end system, which works so well, you know, like they need a quarterback. So let's let's just put it right there. Uh, they re-signed Cam Newton to a one year deal. He to me, they're going to draft one, and he's clearly going to be the backup. Or a transitional quarterback, but he he's washed up to me, and uh, he was terrible last year. So, yeah, I mean the the as I've said to you, the kids at his camp definitely <laughs> agree that he's washed. Yeah, well, but, one at least. Yeah, yeah, at minimum one, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, Cam Newton was so good for a period of time, and I'm not exactly sure. Don't get me wrong; I have always actually despised his attitude for the most part. Um not a big fan of the way he carries himself at times, but um, I, I mean, the guy is one of the best athletes that has ever quarterbacked in the NFL. So you never know. I mean, I guess he could return to form, but he might, you know, it might just be injury pile up with the way he played early on. He might be washed forever. We'll see. 
Uh, you know, I've never been a big fan of his. I think he's one of the more overrated quarterbacks of our of this generation. But um, that's that's another conversation for another day, or actually one we've had before. But we'll leave yeah. it there. But I also want to. I also meant to mention. So I said that there's six team in Patriots, six team in NFL history to give out hundred million plus in guarantees. Of the other five, none of them made the playoffs in the following year. So interesting. Good news for you as a Jets fan. Not that the Jets are going to make the playoffs or anything, but at least no, the Patriots. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm baffled, but don't get me wrong. I like Robert Sala. I think it's the best move the Jets have made in my lifetime as a Jets fan. Um, I really like that guy, but I'm not sure. Like, we saved up so much cap money for the last three years, like, just not making any big moves. And the moves that we've made so far, they just none of them get me out of bed. Like, I, I don't understand really, like, We've improved at some positions, especially D back, but like I, we need offensive weapons and I just don't, uh, we, we signed Corey Davis from the Titans, which is probably the best move we've made, but that's like, I, I don't know. I just, there's a lot of big names out there that are looking to move and a lot of, there's a lot of talk about bringing Allen Robinson in here, which obviously is now not happening. So I don't know. I'm reserving judgment on our off season. I still, I know this is a long process, but I just, well, I, I never have hope as a Jets fan anyway. So. You know, this is a strange year because the cap is low and the, the pandemic and all that. And, um, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, the Eagles are doing it too. They're not really making much moves. They've, I've, I think they've only made like maybe one or two signings, that sort of minor, minor signings at that. But, uh, but, Look, the, you have to kind of be patient here. I think it, standing pat is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you watch the Patriots load up like they are, and it's frustrating. I think mean, you watch a lot of, as a fan. You watch a lot of teams sort of load up on free agents, and you're frustrated. But the Eagles struggled just to get under the cap. Um, they're in a rebuild. The Eagles are arguably the Jets are too, with a new coach and potentially drafting a quarterback high. So, oh, so we're, the Jets are perpetual rebuilding. <laughs> the Jets are perpetually rebuilding, though. So. But, uh, you know, like, I, I'm – as much as I'm frustrated by seeing, like, some good players that the Eagles could use go off the board, and I'm sure the same – you just said the same as for you with the Jets, I'm okay with them kind of taking their time here. Um, if they get the draft right and Jalen Hurts turns out well for as an Eagle, then they're good. So it's the same as, like, if you guys get the draft right, if right. the quarterback, whether it's Sam Darnold or, the, or a new guy, comes in and he – is a, is the player that everyone expects? Like Darnold finally gets, he's got a new coach, gets some stability. I think uh, uh, you'll feel better uh, a couple years yeah. down the road. Also, let me just say one last thing. I just this just dawned on me, but I take issue when it comes to the Jets with the word rebuilding because to rebuild you must have initially built. <laughs> and in my lifetime, we have never built. Yeah, I think everyone who saw the Jets build anything is now passed away, RIP. And so stop using the words rebuilding when you're not when you haven't ever built. They've been rebuilding since uh, Joe Namath. Yeah, it's been yeah, a perpetual one hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, so, um, but. Going back to you know just some of my standout free agents. Um, yeah, what were yours? What what did you think? You know, the, you Trent like? Williams is a really good offensive lineman. Uh, re-signed for the biggest offensive lineman contract ever with the 49ers. Didn't didn't he do? Didn't he ask for one penny more than David Bakhtiari? Is that true? Oh, I didn't. I, is that true? I I'm not gonna say I don't believe you, but David I, David Bakhtiari, they, he put out a Twitter and he was just like, "Bro, you're so petty," but like, congratulations. I mean, it looked, makes sense. Um, making one cent more. Uh, um. 
JT Realmuto and the baseball player who, who just resigned with the Phillies, he did something similar because he wanted to have he got kind of boned by the pandemic, but he wanted to reset the he's a catcher and wanted to like but he's like one of the better offensive players in the league and they wanted he wanted to reset the catcher market. He did something similar it was like that he got like $1 more than like the last guy, so technically he did reset the market, but it's like not like as much money as he anyway. That's new. The other one um is AJ Green. So he goes to the Cardinals. Look, there's a million more we can talk about, by the way, but we're going to, in the interest of time, I'm just going to limit to A.J. Green. Guy who's oh, no, dealt so with. So he asked for, uh, sorry, excuse let me just correct the record. He asked for $10,000 more per year which or for his contract overall, which I, th- I think might come out to, oh, no, it comes out to $10,000 per year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so A.J. Green to the Cardinals was a, was a really interesting one. Um, is he like is AJ Green even good anymore? So though? yeah, That's so look, he's had a ton of injuries the last I don't know five years, but when he was you know healthy, he was at his peak. He was a really good player. He was one of the better receivers in the league. Yeah, if he can stay healthy, he goes to the Cardinals. I love that that fit with him with Kyler Murray. He's got DeAndre Hopkins opposite side, so he's not going to get like tough coverage. He's not going to get the best coverage guy. DeAndre Hopkins will. If he stays healthy, I think that's a great chance for him to like rebuild his career a little bit. Um, but you know, it's just contingent on not getting hurt, really. I just, I think, I mean, you know, Cam Newton was an MVP more recently than AJ Green has been like a top flight wide receiver. Like, I, I just, I have, I also personally hate him for um, fantasy reasons that are that are close and personal to my heart. But um, I don't know. I just I have no faith in AJ Green. But I mean, if somehow he can return to recapture some of his form, then you know the Cardinals are going to be a problem. I like Kyler Murray a lot. Anyway, yeah, he was uh, helping uh, win a fantasy title last year. Kyler Murray was a great pick. Great pick. Um, yeah, he's. A beast. Is there any any other uh, free agency notes? The free agency things that. Uh, um, there, there's a couple of things I put down here. I mean, I love Aaron Jones, but I think they signed him for potentially too much money. Oh, I disagree with that, did. but okay. Um, I mean, he's great. I, I'm not necessarily against the deal. It's just, it's a lot. Um, I also like the, a lot of the moves. I was looking at some of the moves that the Raiders made, like they signed Kenyon Drake, Theo Riddick and John Brown. And like, it's like, so, you know, I don't want to shit on players. Obviously these guys are better at their jobs than I will probably ever be at anything, but like, you're just going to, it seems like they're just signing like second rate players. Like all these guys are kind of washouts from other places that like never reach their potential. And I don't, I don't know why the Raiders just always do that, you know? And some every once in a while they capture lightning in a bottle, but like mostly it's just like retreads that don't work out. So I thought, I don't know. I don't think the Raiders, what they're doing make any sense, but. Well, you know, they got the most out of Nelson Aguilar last year when yeah. he couldn't catch a ball for the Eagles. But I disagree with the uh, Aaron Jones sign. I think he's he was a top five running back, and um, I thought they got him on a, a decent contract. And I was surprised that he didn't get big money somewhere else. But I think after the Zeke Elliott, uh, Zeke Elliott signing with the Cowboys right. a few years ago when he's massive contract, everyone went back to thinking, oh, we can't pay running backs too much money. So, yeah. Also, are you ready for another season with Jameis Winston as the starting quarterback of a football well, team? Because I am. Well, hold on. You know, they got, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. He signed a four-year, massive four-year deal. It's actually very heavily incentive. There's, like, no guaranteed money there. But, 
He could be the starter, so don't don't get. I guess, but what are they going to run a wildcat? Like, is he? Uh, he I started a few games last year and was not terrible. Um, wasn't he, good. He he wasn't bad. He he lost to the Eagles, <laughs> but uh, He's, all right, definitely medium. Jason uh-huh. Hill confirmed medium. But um, yeah, I mean, he is that better than James Winston? I, probably. I don't know. I mean, a couple you years throw, ago, you won't throw thirty interceptions, <laughs> but sixty touchdowns. 30, 30 touchdowns, not 60. 60 would break. I mean, a couple, yeah, no, 60 would be a, he, I mean, he led the NFL in touchdowns a couple of years ago and interceptions. Well, it wasn't, he didn't lead it, but he had 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, which is like, oh, no, hard. I'm sorry. He led in, he led in passing yards. Oh, uh, that might be true. But yeah, he, he's a, he's a turnover machine. You know, he, he yeah. will throw touchdowns, but you know, every he's touchdown, like, he, if he, if he cancels out every touchdown with the turnover, yeah, it doesn't matter. Jameis Winston just is un, un, irrevocably dumb it seems yeah, like yeah well let's let's, <laughs> let's not get too deep into the james winston rabbit hole but i just i'm interested to see what's gonna happen yeah that'll be fun to watch uh <laughs> who wins out on on that if they just keep going back and forth or something but yeah anyway uh let's let's find out let's finish up uh sports here We're talking about an interesting story where lebron has bought <laughs> into the red sox ownership group now this is funny because LeBron is a noted Yankees fan. He once showed up to a Yankees Indians playoff game in Cleveland, where he's from, with a Yankees hat on, and just shit all over the fans of that he's supposed to like be courting as a as a Ohio guy. I think this is kind of funny, but it also makes sense. Uh, well, <laughs> you you have any strong thoughts on LeBron buying a part of the Red Sox? Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's it's also funny because he's also no there's no love loss between uh Boston and LeBron James at all. He terrorized the Eastern Conference for years to the detriment of the Celtics. Um so Boston fans, you know, also famously not a huge fan of LeBron James. But um overall I like it. You know, most times you see high profile athletes buying like, you know, chains and cars and just doing dumb stuff. And, you know, LeBron, I think this is a great role model for anybody that not just athletes, but anyone that runs into a whole bunch of money, it's just like, Hey, you know, invest in ownership, not all the flashy stuff. I mean, I understand the guy has a mansion and all that kind of stuff, but LeBron makes solid financial decisions. It seems like. Um, and so, yeah, I like it, you know? Yeah. This is a good, uh, f- financial decision for sure. Like the Red Sox ownership group bought, uh, I mean the Red Sox have won since they took over one four world series or something. They also uh, own Liverpool in England, who just in the past two years won a Champions League and an English Premier League title. So, and they're being re- re- rebuilt into the sort of world soccer power that they were in the 80s uh, and before and earlier. So, they uh, clearly know what they're doing. They usually operate like they don't operate a deficit, they run, you know, their, their teams in the black. Um, so this is a great business move. It's just funny coming from a guy, one, yeah, who has that sort of rivalry with Boston all those years. He he knocked them out of the playoffs. And also a guy who's a noted Yankees fan, a bandwagon Yankees fan from Ohio. Um, Le- LeBron James, noted and, and rampant bandwagon guy. And the funny thing about the Yankees thing, too, is that uh, he he's, he's a little bit old. He's just a couple years older than me. So he, when the 90s, the, the Indians were good. Like they they went to at least one World Series, um, 
they had some really good players that I like Kenny Lofton's a guy I remember like so distinctly, but like Omar Vizquel, they had like all these like really good players. So the fact that, I mean, the Yankees were, have been always good since like 19, th- this past decade was the first decade since 19, the 19 teens or something that the Yankees <laughs> hadn't gone to a world series at least once. That's why I hadn't won a world series at least once, I think. So yeah, that's, it's an, an amazing stat. So yeah, the Yankees are always good, and they were really good in the '90s. But it's just interesting that he was such a bandwagon fan when the, when the Indians were good in the '90s. So yeah, he he's a big bandwagon guy, which is um, fine. I mean, hey, do do whatever you want, LeBron. But look, he's never going to go broke. It's a good business decision for sure, and I think his manager has a lot to do with making some of these decisions that are smart. But this is he's he's like Michael Jordan. He, no matter what he does, he can't go broke. He's just. He's gonna be making hand, money hand over fist on on endorsements or whatever. He's got Space Jam coming out. Um, he's gonna not be a ma- fan, but that's fine. Well, screw you. Okay. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it, but yeah, he's got Space Jam coming out, and uh, he'd probably make like a million dollars every time it shows on TV every yeah. every year after. So, I got a lot of thoughts on Space Jam, but we'll get to that a different yeah. day. Well, well, Space Jam uh, is 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 a story for another. T- but anyway, um, I will say before we wrap up sports, uh, uh, breaking news, which won't be breaking news by the time this airs, but Illinois just lost to Loyola 71-58. Yeah. Stopped. I, I, I actually, I said I had them in the Elite Eight. I like this, though, because a lot of ha- people had them in the Final Four. I don't know why. Illinois has been good like this year and one other time. So right. why people think Illinois. But anyway, it, it was a trendy pick. People picked number ones. So... Uh, but let's with that, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and we're going to dive right in to ja- Zack Snyder's The Justice League, the Snyder Cut as it's known. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to we're going to kick it off and just get right into let's do it. the Snyder Cut, the Justice League. Zack Snyder's The Justice League. That's how we're differentiating it from the other version with Joss Whedon uh, finished directing it. Let me just ask you straight up, what are your thoughts? You you We both finished it. What are your thoughts after watching this? Oh, you know what? Actually, let me start by asking. You've seen the original, correct? You've seen Batman vs. Superman. Are you fans of either of those movies? Uh, I mean, how the hell could you possibly be a fan of Batman vs. Superman? What a horrific movie. Thank God. Um, and the the Justice League, uh, the first movie, no, I was not a fan of it at all. Um, it, it just like you could, it, it was honestly so apparent that two different clashing visions of the movie were trying to be simultaneously shoved into one movie. And it just came off as like haphazard. The motivations for what happening made no sense. Like the villain's plan didn't make any sense. Um, in the Snyder Cut, he, I, I thought, it was solidly better than the other justice league. And, you know, he fixed some of those problems. I still have, there's still a lot of things that made zero sense and plot wise were just inexplicable, but I thought it was definitely better than the first justice league. What what did you think? So it is better. It is a better movie. Um, the substantial, uh, let me, I'll start with the positive substantially. The differences are a lot more backstory on particularly the characters that, that uh, were kind of new to the movie. So at the time it was Aquaman. When this first came out, Aquaman's movie hadn't come out yet. So Aquaman right. gets a little bit more. 
the Flash and Cyborg. Cyborg's really the guy who gets the most, but the Flash and Cyborg get a lot more um, backstory. Uh, you know, you understand those characters a little bit better. The villain is changed up. That's really the most substantial difference to the story is um, the villain is still Steppenwolf, but he's really more in service of Darkseid, who's a great villain in the cartoons and comics. Um, but And they get into the backstory of what Darkseid's past is, why he wants to conquer Earth. But um, so there's a lot of good there in terms of you just it fleshes out the story a bit better. Generally, though, the story is the same. Like from start to finish, the story is pretty much the same. The The ending's a little bit different because of the dark side introduction element. It gets a little bit a little bit of a tweak there. But generally, the story is intergalactic bad guy shows up. Justice League has to get together. They have to resurrect Superman to win. And then they go and fight and win in the end, right? Um, so that's like... I'll say that's the good. The bad, <laughs> there's a lot bad, but the, generally <laughs> yeah. the bad is it's four hours long. Okay, I don't know how he was going to get this movie to a theatrical cut. Like if the, if he hadn't had his his personal tragedy that made him drop out of the first movie. Well, as I've said to you, I, I a big way he could have done it is just play all the goddamn slow motion yeah. scenes yeah. in regular speed. <laughs> that yeah. would cut down an hour of this but movie. But this is Zack Snyder, so he can't do that. He has to use slow-mo, <laughs> like uh, an absurd amount of slow-mo. But yeah, like it, to get to get down to, I would say two and a half hours is like max what he could have gotten it to, to be acceptable for. And by the way, the studio made Joss Whedon cut it to two hours. So um, like he was hamstrung by that. I want to get to that uh, difference between the two directors in a second. But yeah, to get this down, I don't know how he would have cut an hour and a half of this movie and you could still say that this movie is as good. Not, it's not that it's great, but it was like the, this version that's good, that's better than the original. I don't know how you could say that it would be the same if you cut an hour and a half out of it. And I, like honestly, there is stuff you could... There's stuff, and I think we'll probably touch on some of this. There's some easy scenes that you could just chop out, but none of them are substantially long. Right, they're they're all right. very short. They're they're just kind of thrown in there. They're they're useless to the to the story as a general. So yeah, I don't know how he's gonna cut an hour and a half of that movie and it be. He can't. Yeah, I I, I just don't see how he could do it. Um, with that said, so like, Joss Whedon, he's getting. <laughs> I'm not gonna touch on all the the problems he's having like in his you know personal or professional life at the moment, but. For a guy, he's getting shit on because of this movie is substantially better, but he shouldn't because he he had to work with this same a lot of the same footage. He had to do some research reshoots. Right. Um, he had to he had to make the movie two hours long by studio mandate. Like people are praising Zack Snyder, but like if you if you had put him in the same situation, this movie would would have sucked if harder, if not like just as much as the the, the version that Joss Whedon put out. Because he couldn't release a four-hour movie in the theaters. Well, not, I mean, it's not. It's not only that. It's like, like everything you said, one hundred percent valid. But it's also like, you know, movies are such a director's medium, and you're gonna you're gonna put a bunch of scenes that a guy didn't film and make him cut a movie out of it. I mean, that's like that's like giving a bunch of uh, paint colors to an artist who never uses those colors and be like, make make me on a canvas that's already half painted and be like, make this a masterpiece. It's like that's not how it works. It's it was extremely difficult situation to be in. But I mean, 
with that said, their their biggest problem is that they pl- they were playing catch up with Marvel, and Marvel had spent ten years laying the groundwork for things like Endgame and Infinity War and Avengers and all that stuff before they brought in Thanos as the big bad. And DC tried to do that in one movie. And like, whereas Marvel, you you don't have to say half the things because anyone who's been following it knows so much about the characters from the groundwork that they laid. But in this movie, you have to put in so much exposition and so much backstory because you're you're shoehorning in so many characters and plots that were not pre-established. I mean, they, they just messed up trying to play catch up with Marvel. They should not have done it this way. Absolutely correct. And also the fact that like they they this movie introduces Darkseid in a more substantial way. He's like very barely mentioned. I think he's mentioned once in the first yeah. one. But he's introduced more substantially here and he's he's a facsimile of Thanos with a worse motivation than Thanos. Yeah. Thanos is more relatable. He's a better villain because you understand what he's trying to do on a certain level. Darkseid here as far as we can tell and to be fair they don't quite get into like his full backstory and what I mean, his mo- space Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, but that's essentially how he's being portrayed as like intergalactic domination space Hitler. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a worse, you know, it's, it's a boring villain. And not only that, there's other things too. He like wields a very similar, uh, weapon as Thanos does. He even at one point gets an ax in the, in yeah. the shoulder, like in the exact same way. I mean, it's so, it, it, it was strange for them to do something so one-to-one. Like instead of trying to differentiate Darkseid in any any kind of way, who Darkseid, one of my favorite villains. Like, yeah, he's really he's really good in the, but that's what he is really in the comics and stuff. Is is a sort of, um, so is Thanos, but they 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 modified Thanos in the in the movies to make him more sympathetic in certain ways and make him make more sense. And he's played I mean, by a real actor. He's um he's not a f- completely CGI creation, which uh, Darkseid is right. here, but that's. That's a little nitpicky because he was yeah, added. I think that made a big difference. Well, he's added after the fact, though, right? Like, he's mostly a CGI creation that wasn't. Right, like, that is true. That so, is true. but anyway, the you know, another bad thing about this is it's divided into six parts, seven if you include the epilogue, um, which we'll get to in a, in a minute. But the parts don't really, aren't really dividing anything of the story. Like, they just have the subtitle. They don't really say anything. You know, to me, if if you had divided this into sort of like four parts, like the recruitment of each of the the new Justice League members and then the team, the re- resurrection of Superman as one part. And so each part was like the recruitment of the Aquaman, the recruitment of the Flash, the recruitment of Cyborg, the resurrection of Superman, which is the only part that's really distinct on its own, and then the team up and then the ending. I think you'd have a much better, like that that structure would work better. To me, like it doesn't really work in that way. Um, just because the, they sort of moving in between all the stories at the same time, even though there's like a new part and the subtitles of the parts don't really tell you anything like specifically to what's going to happen. They don't make any sense. They, they're not separated. There's not, they're not like broken up into acts or anything like that. I mean, maybe they are, but there's so many breaks that like, it, it's hard to like from the first to second, uh, part there's. It's, uh, yeah. just, it's just like the next scene. It's, yeah, it's it, like it doesn't really part. make any difference. And then, uh, look, I'm gonna, we're going to delve into the, some of the funnier stuff here and now, but the the expanded backstories you get on The Flash and Cyborg, I'm sure they're pretty comics accurate. I know The Flash one is, but um, it's more parent parental daddy issues for superheroes. like An unreal amount. And, and it's it's heavily focused on that, like particularly with Cyborg. 
you know, um, I'll oh, let dude, you describe Victor Stone when Victor Stone. <laughs> okay. So the way you meet Victor Stone is a, you know, five to six second football play that is extended through slow motion to about five minutes. Yeah. The and entire, the entire football <laughs> scene is, is in slow motion. And as soon as he crosses the, the, the end zone, the goal line, he looks up, he sees his mom, he's smiling. And I just, in my head, I was like, look at the fucking empty seat. You piece of shit. <laughs> yeah cry and he does without fail he looks down he sees an empty seat where like you know you're supposed to know his dad should be and he just gets so sad this like, is that that scene was hilarious i had the same thought just because he it's such a cliche that moment it's such a cliche there's this movie's full of cliches by the way but th- that move that moment is such a cliche but you normally expect to see it in like a movie where the ki- it's a kid, right? Like it's a high school kid or someone playing pee wee football. This kid's he's in college. He he's playing Wisconsin, by the way. Like the legit has got Wisconsin logo and everything. I don't know how they manage yeah. that to license that, but yeah, they're playing Wisconsin. He beats them. So ostensibly, you're supposed to believe that Gotham City University is like a college football powerhouse. And he looks up and like yeah, he. Like in the middle of the crowd celebrating with his teammates, he looks up and sees an empty seat and gets all sad. I was like, that is such a cliche. It's so dumb that a college player would do that. Uh, to, I to, would submit to you that even a high school player at a top flight high school wouldn't do that. That's like a that's like a middle school to elementary school thing to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, it was just, it was fun. I laughed out loud when I saw that. I, that was a funny scene. I mean, but like 100%. the Flash um, who has daddy issues, but that's that's very accurate to to uh to his sort of comic line his dad's in prison um yeah aquaman has parental issues which are more fleshed out in his his individual movie so it's uh, batman and superman famously have daddy issues daddy issues so it's just like more characters with with parent based issues that that drive them to become like superheroes um so it's you know cliche upon cliche Oh, so many cliches. I actually, I also, there was some good stuff and bad stuff. I'll start again. I'll, the good, I did think that the expanded uh, bringing in dark side and putting more attention on like the point of the mother boxes. Like if you watch the, like things just made more sense in this movie. If you watch the original Justice League, like the, what the mother boxes even do, what they're for, they're, it's so underexplained as to be, even as someone who knows the comic books and understands what a mother box is, even me in the movie, I'm like, why do they care so much? You're not explaining it to me in the movie. Um, also, if I like in Justice League, the thing that one of the things that stood out to me was like, Batman goes to recruit Aquaman in the in the original Justice League, and Ju- Aquaman's like, "No thanks." And then, like midway through the movie, he just shows up for ostensibly no explained reason. He just like is like, "Oh no, I'm I'm actually I want to help now." In this movie, it's much better explained why Aquaman changes his mind. Um, Cyborg, I thought was way better fleshed out in this movie. Uh, Steppenwolf's motivations made so much more sense. Yeah. Like trying back he, in the good he, side. Like, He's a he's an one of the main improvements. The bad guy Steppenwolf. He's Huge given he's given a glow up in terms of his look. Um, he looks cooler. He uh, also in this movie it it comes off as like they really actually needed Superman's help, and you see like what a badass fighter he is. That didn't come off in the first Justice. Yeah, League and film. and and he's um, yeah, just his story in general is is better. Although it's more or less the same, but you you get more of he's in trying to be in service to and get more in the good graces of dark side. But, um, the last thing I want to touch on with this is the epilogue. 
essentially this ends on it the stupidest I, uh, like i said the the movie itself ends um more or less where the the first one did but this ends with an epilogue that is showing you the dream like a future a flash forward to the future is a dream scenario similar to or similar to the dream scenario from batman versus superman where um it's like a desolate post-apocalyptic world and superman's a bad guy yeah apparently in this universe batman just hallucinates alternate realities well this is not hallucination this is like a legit flash forward but it's a cliffhanger right it ends with like um you're told in this scene you see the joker and he's teamed up with batman as as is deathstroke who's another villain for those who don't know and you see uh Aquaman's wife, I think her name's Mira or girlfriend or whatever. He, he, but she says he's dead. Like you don't see Wonder Woman. It, it's like you, <laughs> it, it's, no, it's, do, it's she's like she's she's with Darkseid. She's dead as well. Well, yeah, I think you're meant to think that she might be dead. Anyway, point is and then you see Superman show up and he's he's bad guy. So this right. leaves you on a cliffhanger. And the audacity of a guy to make a 4-hour movie and then Unreal. end it on a cliffhanger, which to me is a shameless attempt at Warner Brothers to get them to reconstitute his his universe, his original vision. Um, it, it's such a shitty way to do to end the movie. Uh, yeah, I, like wh- how you can do that and and sleep at night. He probably sleeps well, but whatever. I, I just yeah. hated that. No, that was that was ridiculous. I just want to quickly run through the, some of the bad things I th- saw in this because they're I thought they were they were pretty funny. One, we touched on the unnecessary slow motion. Number two, at one point when Batman goes to recruit Aquaman, there is a scene of Icelandic women vocalizing yeah. ethnic like yeah. oh, <laughs> could no cut that. Can cut that whatsoever. <laughs> get, get, please cut that. That's one minute long though. So, yeah. um, but the number one worst thing about this movie by far is Ezra Miller's arms when he runs. <laughs> They're Lucy Goose. Nobody runs like that. I, do, I don't know if Ezra Miller has never run before or if he was directed to do it this way, but nobody's arms, like, it looks like he's swimming as he's running, and I just can't get over it, and nobody would run that way, especially someone whose, like, main thing is running. It's <laughs> ridiculous, and it looks so stupid. Yeah, and that, the scene they, they show... Um... He's saving Iris West as a back uh, flashback, where he's he's saving Iris West. You get some of the backstory, and they do the the classic cliche where there's a guy driving a giant truck, and he drops something. He drops a full on hamburger, and it spends like twenty seconds trying to find it without in the middle of a city. He's Going like going fifty miles an hour <laughs> yeah, down, not watching it, and New York Street, and then runs um runs right into Iris West's car and smashes uh, a hot dog cart runs into a car and then looks up after almost grabbing the hamburger and being like hey did i hit something and <laughs> but uh, you know another guy. dumb cliche of movies where like the guy's not paying attention and gets That's into a car true. accident but anyway um look i'm pretty sure we're on the same page here so i'll speak for the both of us you know you, you can chime up if you feel different but i do not recommend watching this movie you have to be a diehard fan of whether it's these characters or Zack Snyder, which I don't know why you would be, but there are people out there who are. Um, it's four hours long. It feels every bit of the four hours, if not longer. It, it just... I, I'll give it some credit in saying that it does pick up as the story really picks up in the second half. But yeah, it's it's just too long. It's not worth your time. It's not that substantially different. 
Unless and, you're a big fan of the Martian Manhunter and you want to see him in two <laughs> You want to see him on the screen for a total of like a minute and a half. Um, for no, no yeah. reason. And him, he, he also doesn't help any of the heroes when they need the help. But No, the only person he helps is Lois Lane and we have no idea why. Yeah, and, and she's useless as well. But yeah, so don't watch this movie. Um, you're, there's there's going to be no resolution. Hopefully there'll be no resolution because they ended this universe. So anyway, uh, we're going to take another quick break and we're going to come back and talk about the premiere episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier from Disney Plus. Yeah. Welcome back, everyone. We're gonna dive right in again to the first episode of Falcon, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the next Marvel show that follows up from WandaVision. It's not a direct sequel or anything. I shouldn't I should say that. It's just the next uh, Marvel TV show. Let me let me just ask you straight up. What what were your thoughts on this premiere episode? Uh, go ahead. I'm gonna be honest, and I'm a I'm a big comic book guy. I love Marvel. I love DC. Even though DC, you know, live action movies stink. This show, this episode at least of this show, didn't really do much for me. I mean, I don't know if it's just because I'm such a big fan of like Captain America and especially how. Um, you know, I thought Chris Evans did a fantastic job as Captain America. I don't know if I'm just not as in love with these characters. I, I didn't think like the groundwork that they laid for their stories was incredibly compelling to me. It's like Sam. Oh, I will say big ups to them. Oh, wait. You know? Spoiler alert, by the way, just going forward. Go ahead. Sorry. Yes, definitely. Probably spoiler alerts. There's not um, big spoilers I, in this, but just to be just to be safe. Well, I do love that Falcon's first name is Sam. You don't see Sam's a lot, and Captain America's first name is Steve. You don't see a lot of Sam and Steve superheroes. Yeah, so we got the. I'm the Falcon. Well, I'm not going to call you Captain America, but no. If you're the Falcon, then I have to, by definition, be Captain America, and you're. You spell your name with a PH. He spells his name with a V. You don't know if he's a PH, Stephen. I I do. He's a Stephen. No, he's, he's a Stephen with a V. He's not. He's a <laughs> PH. I, I know a PH when I see one. And he's PH. Um, um, it, it's fine. Leave that alone. Anyway, uh, I just thought like uh, like F- Falcon's whole thing. Spoiler alert is that he just like feels kind of like a fraud and doesn't want to be Captain America, and then is like shocked when they ask someone else to be Captain America. I thought that I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, Bucky Barnes, I thought his was probably the most interesting. Like, Bucky Barnes is more compelling to me as a character um, and the former Winter Soldier, whatever you want to call him. Um, I thought he was, like, the most compelling part of the show. Um, I don't know. It, it didn't It didn't really do it for me. I'll definitely keep watching, um, but I didn't love what I saw. What, what, what about you? What did you think? Did you like it? I, I did, actually. I really liked it. Um, so, look... These two characters, and it, this watching this made me realize it because they they've been in the universe for a while now. Like they both were introduced in um, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which I don't remember what year it was, but that was like probably 2013, 14, yeah. something like that. Um, so they've been around, but you, I only realized that watching this is like you really know nothing about them, right? They've they've only we've only known stuff about them relative to their they they're only characters that are. Uh, useful in terms of their relationship to Captain America, and so we knew we knew a little bit more about Bucky because he was friends with Captain America in World War II and all that. But we really knew nothing like about their personalities, stuff like that. And this show really gets into it. Really, like fleshes them out, not completely, but like in a better way. Like we really get to understand 
the stuff that um, who they are as people, what they're going through. Um, it, it also tackles um, WandaVision was the first thing that came out, first Marvel thing. Well, no, Spider-Man technically was the last Spider-Man movie. But this was the first – this is really tackling with some of the issues post-Endgame with, like, people having uh, disappeared and come back to life. And this right. really is, like, diving into some of the the issues surrounding that. Um, like, I love that it, fo- it focuses on the Winter Soldier's guilt with all uh, – so um, – Bucky Barnes is guilt. Right. Bucky Barnes is guilt with the things he did with this, the winter as the Winter Soldier. And he's trying to make amends for some of that stuff. I, I like, thought that was the most compelling part of. It. I like seeing. I love. I actually like seeing Sam Wilson, uh, the Falcon, deal with this burden that Captain America put on him to become the new Captain America, and feeling like he's not worthy of it. And then also you see him kind of go. You see his family. You see that he's. Uh, contracting for the military, doing missions for the military, but it, it deals with it. Does an interesting thing here where um, it talks about something that I think a lot of people probably curious about, but you just never talk about is like how they make a living. How super, so like hey, it, it basically cool. like he doesn't have. It, it comes to the point where he's like his sister. He goes to visit his sister in Louisiana, and she's about to lose their family's house and their family's boat or something, and. um it deals with like he doesn't have any money, right? Like he, he, he says that uh, you know they don't make money as superheroes. They're not like paid a salary or anything. They kind of just like build up goodwill as as the Avengers, and people just kind of do things for them or, or give them, you know, stuff. So and it's an interesting like topic that I feel like d- most people don't really probably think about like in a in a comical way, but they just kind of address here because he goes into a bank to try and get a loan to save his his family's. Um, business or whatever it is and they won't give him a loan because they just like have no money no like no collateral and it, yeah. and it also touches on a, a race issue there um, just with like he's a he's a black guy going to a white guy at a bank and like even though he's the falcon they um, you know they're not going to give him a loan you know like he's seemingly a trustworthy guy as an avenger but they won't you know it's just, it's not really overtly touched on like that but it's kind of an undertone but i, I, I think it's it's definitely there but you know i don't know if they're gonna i think that they might touch on more of those issues here but i just at one point he turns around in the kitchen and he goes like he's like you know he goes you know i don't mess with these white people (laughs) so (laughs) it's like i mean it was there but i I really like that you're getting to know these characters um distinctly because they they were only really relevant to their relationship with captain america before so you're getting to know them a little bit better you're seeing the struggles they have um they're relatable in a lot of ways um I would just say like my my only issue with with the with it like I guess my big issue with it would be like I love like Bucky Barnes is like a real he's like a real like fleshed out person in the sense that like he's super he's not a happy go lucky guy he has he's extremely distressed by what he did as a winter soldier he's 106 years old he's a very complicated character whereas like I like Anthony Mackie and I like the Falcon as a character, but he kind of seems like almost like a two dimensional in the sense that like, he has no, like he, he's just like a good dude. He has like no, no uh, qualms or, or things that are really uh, morally like things that he's struggling with. He just seems like almost like two dimensionally, just a good guy. I- and it's like, that's it's fine if you want to be that but like bucky is to me like a more interesting character i i kind of disagree in the sense of like the 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 show opens up showing him looking at captain america's shield which was given to him at the end of 
by Steve Rogers at the end of Endgame, and you can see the the internal monologue going there, like the struggle with him, like not feeling worthy of it, and he he gives it to the Smithsonian, um, in some ceremony to say like, look, there's only one Captain America. But, you know, he was given the mantle by Captain America himself, and he's laying it down because he doesn't feel worthy of it. And I think you see that there. And I think, yeah, he's he's a much more upbeat character than Bucky Barnes is, you know, who's dealing with this trauma of being, uh, you know, a mindless robot as the Winter Soldier for, for, you know, however long that happened. But um, I think you see the undertones of, you know, the struggle, the fact that he doesn't have any money, as the Falcon is, doesn't have any money. He's got these family issues. His, his sister's trying to prop their fam uh their family's business up um and i think there's just the undertone there of him struggling with all his identity now as uh, who's trying to figure out his identity in the post captain america world and yeah. uh you can see that right uh to touch on the broader story they they touch on the new villain they don't really delve uh, that's going to come later they kind of set up uh, another interesting post end game sort of thing like there's people out there who don't want the world to they liked that the world, when all these people disappeared, the world kind of became a more unified place. And then when everybody came back, it went back to like their divisions. So there's some new, I guess, terrorist group or something that want to like ab abolish or destroy like countries, borders, and stuff, and whatever. They're, they're going to be like the the villains um, with with Zemo, who's going to be the one of the main villains. But they only hint at that stuff. Um, right. But it's this is really I th I think this was really good just because it sets up these characters that I didn't know as as individual people only through their relationships to Captain America previously. So I think it does a good job of setting it up there, and I, I'm really kind of interested to see going forward. It doesn't have the same vibe, same sort of um, unique vibe that Wandavision has. It feels like its own. It feels more Marvel. Um, it's yeah. definitely on the more Marvel line. So it's its own thing, um, but I, I'm kind of excited to see where they go with this. I think there's some interesting story with the characters. I think there's an interesting story with the villain. Um, I think it's going to be fun. And there's some good action scenes in this, by the way. There's only a couple, but... Uh, there are some really good action It opens on a good action scene, and then, um, yeah, it comes back, and there's a, a short one with the Winter Soldier in the past as well. So uh, I'm going to yeah, recommend I mean people watch this. I, I don't know, like Marvel's... Some people like it, some people don't. Some people are tired of it, whatever. I think this if is good. If you like Marvel, you like this. Yeah, for sure. But I think this is, um, I think it's a well-made show so far. Well, at least one episode, right? I think it, there's stuff there for everyone, but it's definitely uh, it's it's leaning into characters that you may not care about. So, as a as a casual fan, may not care about. So, yeah, I say watch it. Um, are you pro? Po keep watching whatever. I'm def I'm definitely pro watching it. It's like if you're a Marvel fan, you'll like this show. I just I hope that they that they get a little deeper into uh, like Sam's internal conflict that he's going through. Um, and I hope they I definitely I'm super interested to see what happens with Bucky Barnes. I'm like I'm interested to see where these two characters go. And it seemed like, you know, it was it was definitely like well made, looks great, action scenes were good. It's gonna be a good show. So, you know, definitely, definitely recommend. That's right. Keep watching. We'll keep watching and we'll keep uh, we'll keep checking in every so often and let you know how it's going. You know, I want to end today with a news story. So HBO has greenlit. Well, I shouldn't say greenlit, but they're in the works on three, three new Game of Thrones spinoffs. So as far as if I can remember right, there's the House of the Dragon spinoff, which is going to mm -hmm. be um, which is already happening. Right. That's going to come out next year, I believe. 
but there's also going to be like an animated ver- show that's coming out at some time in the future. But these are three new live action spinoffs. Uh, I got the names of them. Hold on. Oh, one is called Nine Voyages or Sea Snake. So I guess they're undecided. The other is called Flea Bottom, and the other, the last one's called Ten Thousand Ships. Um, Weird. there's some brief descriptions of them. I won't really go into that, but. I want to get your instant reaction here. You were a Game of Thrones fan. How do you feel about three additional spinoffs be like in the works now? Horrific. I'm, I'm not a fan of it at all because I, I was a really enormous interesting. Game of Thrones. I was an enormous Game of Thrones fan, but then it ended in my opinion. And there's a lot of reasons for this and it's too long to get into. And I, I won't, I, I understand why this happened, but they ended that show so poorly to almost make the first four seasons like the last two seasons were so bad that it almost made the first four seasons like it almost made them not good because they ruined it so badly with the way that they ended the show and to me it's just like you know HBO they had they had an enormous like culture shifting hit with Game of Thrones and they're just trying to ride that out as much as they can and to me, it just seems like non-creative. They're like, okay, Game of Thrones was such a huge hit for us. Let's let's double, triple, quadruple down on this idea. And for me, as someone who's a giant fan, the show ended so badly and was so seemed so unfaithful to the whole tenor of the show leading up to it. But before the last two seasons, I'm like, I'm like done with Game of Thrones personally. And I don't. I think it's like non-creative for them to just like keep going back to this well when it's like there is other stories to be told interesting i'm on the opposite side here i i don't want to get into the ending of game of thrones like we everyone's disappointed um but this these are none of these spinoff shows are being made by uh the creators of game of thrones dan benny david benioff and dan weiss they're being made by like other filmmakers um I think there's there's such a rich world that George R. R. Martin developed through in his books. There's so much stuff to explore that would be so cool to see on television. House of the Dragon is a cool like topic uh, out of the books and would be awesome to see um, on television if it's executed well. It's got some good actors lined up in it too. I don't you know I, again I will see what these other shows are. Um, I think there's so much stuff to cover and I would love to see it. Uh, and it look, they don't all have to be a Game of Thrones facsimile. Like they can be their own styles and stuff. And you know, it, you know the 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 com, uh, comparisons that come in, you know, are Marvel or Star Wars, like big universes, where you can have movies that take on different tones, different styles, uh, TV shows as well. And you know, if they're well executed, it'll be fun to watch. So I think there's just tons of stuff out there to do. That world is so fun to get into. Um, so that's that's me. I, I, the one thing I want to say, if I don't know if you saw this, there was an episode of, uh, I want to say it was like when Kit Harrington hosted SNL a year or two ago. They did this thing where it's like they did a a, a short a digital short where it was like all they were talking about all the spinoffs, like, right. and they were making fun of it. And one was a <laughs> Law and Order, like uh, King's Landing or SVU King's Landing or something. And it had Mariska Hardy, had Mariska Hardigate and, uh, Ice Cube, Ice T. I mean, um, like doing a, a bit about like solving a murder in flea bottom. And then I saw the name of this show flea bottom. That's what I thought about. I was like, 
um, law and order style crime drama like taking place in flea bottom like the poorest part of king's landing so but i'm i'm like i'm i'm cautiously optimistic let's put it that way i'm not saying i'm like psyched for all these i'm psyched for house of the dragon because i think it's a cool topic that's in the books and it'll be if done well it'll be uh fun to watch but i just feel like I, i feel like as a fan when you're watching a show or you're a fan of a show or a series or like a, you know, a grouping of content like DC, Marvel, whatever. It's like when you really invest and like start watching, you put your faith in like the people that are the creating this content that like, you know where you're going and you're going to bring me in for a landing whenever we get to where we're going. And they messed up the ending of Game of Thrones so badly that, you know, it was like however many years I had been watching Game of Thrones, like seven or eight years up to that point. Like it made it made the whole thing like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I put my faith in you to land this plane and you crash it into the side of a mountain. Here's what I'll say is they're not going to be able to recreate more than likely. They're not going to be able to recreate the zeitgeistiness of what the first Game of Thrones was, the, the pop culture phenomenon that it was. You're not going to be able to recreate that. That kind of was its own thing. So I don't know that these other spinoffs are going to be, you know, unless they're just amazing, like they're not going to have the investment that you had in the game of Thrones, the original show that, 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 that created that letdown moment at the end that everyone really had. So I just don't think that's going to be possible. They can't, it's just be so hard to recreate that phenomenon that it was. And people will have that sort of cautiousness of how they get into the story because of the way that it ended. But that said, I, I'm looking forward to seeing some of this stuff. I think they're trying too many things too fast. I was like, maybe do one spinoff and see how that goes. And then like then let's talk about others. But um I, I kind of have a feeling that some of these things won't actually make it to like a, a, a actual show. To me, it just reeks of like corporate. Oh, absolutely, uncreativity, and they're like, strike while the iron is hot. No, this this is the world we this is the world we live in, and milk every property until you get every last dollar out of it, and then and then move on to the next one. Like this is what they're doing. They do with everything, so you know it's to be expected. Look, I don't have a problem with that as long as you go out and like make good content. It's like. You go out and make you. They're doing with Star Wars. Like you go out and make a good Star Wars movie. I'm I'm good with it. And like you milk it to shit. Like The Mandalorian. I love that. Um, you know, but it's a it's a clearly ploy to like make money. But uh, anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Um, well, that's where we're gonna end it here. Look, Steve. I thank you for joining me. I hope we're gonna have you back soon. We'll see what happens. But what you got anything going on? You wanna you wanna hype here on on the podcast? Um, you know, I do my own little podcast called Everything is Fine, if you guys want to check that out. Otherwise, uh, you know, I, I would just say I'd like to promote myself. I'm generally a pretty cool guy. And uh, <laughs> no, where not can really. People, I don't have anything going on. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Everything is Fine Podcast, on Instagram or TikTok. Unfortunately, I'm on TikTok now. Um, or, you know, Stevie Caps on Instagram. I'm, I'm the only Stevie Caps, no numbers. Uh, you know, no projects really. Just, just living my life. Well, there you go. You can email us at spielinganddealing at gmail dot com, or you can hit us up on Instagram at at spielinganddealing podcast. I'm Steve, or <laughs> I'm you're, Sam. You're Steve. This is my cousin Steve. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>